Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. If you're looking for a dull, feel-good religion, or clap your hands, sit around the campfire kumbaya, you've come to the wrong place. We are dealing with toxic levels of authentic masculinity. I would say good luck, but luck is for pagans. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. I'm Adam Minahan sitting here with David Niles and our good friend, Scott Hambrick. Scott, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks, man. I look forward to our talk. We had a, a somewhat of mutual friend. Uh, he's. I'm just going to say he's yeah, our friend. Yeah, we're friends. We're we, like best friends. We've, we've, friend yeah. of the show. Friend of yeah. the show, yeah, maybe. Yeah, Brett McKay, we had yeah. him on a while back ago and... You hang out with him with doing an online, well, actually, uh, from your online great books, but you have a group of men that gather together and read this yeah. stuff and talk, and he's went in one of your groups, and so he connected the dots, so it's great to have you on. Thanks. Thanks. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. I'm also very excited about this scotch. Me too. I'm excited about both of these things. We yeah, have two brought, drinks today. He brought, he brought one as well, so that was awfully nice. What, what did you bring? I brought uh, Orphan Barrels 23-Year-Old Rhetoric uh, Bourbon. Uh, it's a scam. It's like, a scam. Yeah, it's like it's good, but I, like Diageo, I think Diageo owns this, and they claim that they found these barrels that were orphaned, and they're twenty three <laughs> years old. They, I, I think it is a twenty three year old bourbon. I, I buy it. I believe that, but they've got this whole backstory of how they found these abandoned barrels, barrels that, right? And uh, yeah, it's like yeah, I don't know about how that. many abandoned barrels are. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So this is the twenty three. Every year they come out with a new one. That's a year older, right? right? It's the same. It's the same juice, and so this is the twenty-three year. It's, like, pretty, it's pretty tasty. Every year we somehow we just find more abandoned barrels. <laughs> right. We abandoned them. Okay. <laughs> we found them twenty-three again. years ago in the warehouse that we've been meticulously maintaining, and we we rediscover them. We right. rediscover them every year. Every year, right? Yeah. Will you grab those glasses up there, Dave? We have up some right. Oh yeah, we have someone we right, have here, some right, right here, here as well. Scott, Check don't let me out. don't let me forget to. Uh, Give you a couple of those glasses before you leave. Oh, some, some Glencairn glasses. If we're gonna drink these, well, this is a Highland, so this is which one? I'm just trying oh, to think. We should I'm sorry. We do the right one first. Yeah, let's do his first. We can do his first. His is that's if it's 23 years, I think we should start. Okay, just start with this one. Start with this one. No, okay, yeah. it's pretty okay. okay. But yeah, let's do it. Well, I won't say anything else. Right, I don't want. We're I all don't wanna, we're all pretty oaky here at this table. Right, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to poison the well here. Mm, not much. So. Uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about, while, while we're pouring this, tell a little, little bit about how Online Great Books came about. Well, uh, homeschool my kids. Dude, okay, that was going to be actually my first <laughs> question I had for you, like, because we're homeschooling our kids right. as well. Dave's Me ho- too. We're all homeschooling our kids, and there seems to be this trend of the desire for the Tritidum coming back, you know, um, yes. and I was wondering, oh yeah. Oh, boy, a little boy, bit. Oh, I'm so sorry, sorry, Juan. Juan. Sorry, Juan. Uh, yeah. And I was wondering, do you think that there's a correlation between, uh, you know, the classic great books and homeschooling revival? Oh, listen, I, I think so, and not just that, but like the failure, like the, of, you know, common education yeah. that just 
is plain and simple in front of everybody. Like, I don't think anyone, no matter where you are politically, is happy with the outcomes of public schools or universities. Yeah. And um, especially universities. I mean, public schools as well, but I mean, universities are just taking a turn for the. Yeah, I think we all actually owe a big thank you to the public schools for being so terrible (laughs) for uh, like bringing about the change. You know, it's like because if they were not if they were just kind of like a little bit better and just mediocre, it would have never happened. But because they took the plunge into (laughs) into suctedom, you know, it's like now we have out of the ashes something good and better. Yeah, I I. My wife was a teacher. I'm going to name them. Okay. At Monte Casino here in town. I've been in mm, really? school here. Yeah. And my daughters both went there for a time, and uh, I was I was unhappy with the product there. Especially we, if you pay for it. Yeah. And we snatched them out and of, of that of uh, that kind of snotty private school, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to do a good job, you know. So I started researching, you know, how we might do that, and I found out that my science background, like I had some holes in my education. And um, and started learning about the trivium, and I decided that I, I wanted said tritium, to I think. trivium. I thought yeah. it was trivium. I, always, yeah, I think it's trivium. Is what makes my watch glow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my yeah, bad. The, yeah, the trivium, the grammar, logic, rhetoric, the three traditional liberal arts, and uh-huh. I decided I wanted that for myself. You know, and then I started. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, I'm not going to learn Latin. I, I wish I did. Wish I could. But I don't have time, and my brain is not plastic anymore. I'm too old. <laughs> and. Uh, I found that I found that people often would use these great books uh, curricula to, uh-huh. to pursue that. And so I started a great books group in my home. I, I have a dining room table with eight chairs and uh, a good friend of mine, Jim Furr. I said, you know, hey, let's do this. He said, let's. And we sent out six more, six letters. We actually like wrote, you know, letters and send like them on, some other on men. paper on paper, put a stamp on an envelope and mailed them to six other men. And uh, uh, they said, yeah. And, uh, We've been meeting now on the third Thursday for four years, I think, and the group has grown. And uh, there's about a there's about eleven or twelve guys uh, that that you know study the great books with me there. And one of those guys is Brett McKay of Art of Manliness. And Brett said, "Hey, listen, this is really great. I think I think more people need this, and you need to you need to find a way to do it online." And he showed me his um, strenuous life program that he does. Mm-hmm. And he said, "I think you know something like this could work." And um, I'm like, yeah, great. I need another job, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> great. And uh, we started OnlineGreatBooks.com January of 2018 and help, helping people helping people work through the great books. You know, the great books would be things like Homer, um, Homer, Aeschylus, Aquinas, Aristotle, John Locke, you know, uh, that kind of thing. We help, we help people with accountability. We send them these reading reminders, they have a little app, they get reading reminders on their, on their phone. We have a community, but the, really the most important thing is we run a uh, Socratic seminar once a month for each of our, for our readers so they can come and, um, and then talk about these books in a Socratic seminar where we ask them the hard questions because we believe that when you, when you actually talk about the books is when you start to act on it. And when mm-hmm. the book starts to actually act on you, when yeah. it's when the transformation starts to take mm-hmm. place. So, uh, yeah, we've been doing that now for over two years. It's and how it's many crazy. guys do you have, in, or guys and gals? In, yeah, in the, it, it, uh, men and women, and we've got about six hundred. Wow, that is yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. What did you? You know what else is awesome? Is this? <laughs> it ain't bad. Oh man, uh, like, have you tried it yet? Uh-uh. Oh my gosh! Why don't you give him a cheers? Yeah, okay. A toast. Scott, I raise my glass to uh, you. 
Good to you guys. In honor of blowing my mind, <laughs> I thank you for yeah. now having a mind blown and taste buds uh, humiliated because you know they thought they knew something. That's uh, awfully good. I isn't I, that awesome? What say? Wow. Uh, what is this again? It's rhetoric. Rhetoric. Twenty-three year, which is very fitting. That rhetoric. Wow. Yeah. 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 No kidding. Yeah. What a good. Yeah. It's a. Uh, I thought about that before I picked a bottle off of the off of the shelf. You're like that yeah, one. That one. Yeah. It's good stuff. Orphan Barrel makes. Um, I got one forged oak. Um, uh, I don't know. Three or four different expressions, mm. and uh, that one's that one's my favorite. Wow, man, it's just delicious. okay. I love how they have the tasting. I love reading tasting notes because oh, yeah. they're so. A lot of times S- they're some out of them there, are just like just incredible, crazy. Yeah. Um, this one says the aroma has vanilla bean, brown sugar, and a hint of banana, unfolding into the rich taste of coca, bourbon, vanilla, black cherry, and red currant, finishing with a touch of fruitcake, citrus, and oak. I don't even know what a current tastes like. I, I don't either. Yeah, I but I am getting hints of bourbon. <laughs> no, it's a real heavy bourbon <laughs> yeah, nose heavy here. On the bourbon. Yeah, that the, is the really bourbon good, nerds say that this thing's over oaked. Oh, it's been in the wood too long. That, that's impossible. It's impossible for something to taste. It is not. Too it's not too. Like, I'm not tannins. a. I'm not a super taster at all. So yeah. like, if something is stimulating my taste buds, it's like, ooh, I like right. that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like strong flavors. I just want it to hit me in the face. That's all yeah, I want. I do too. That's, and it does. Do you like Lafroig? I do. Yeah. Because so that'll hit you in the I face. Yeah. yeah. Lafroig 16. I've got, that's one of my go tos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that La- is really good. It's yeah. very unique. No, wait a minute. Lagavulin 16. Which Lagavulin. Is yeah, Lagavulin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one, that's one yeah, of my Yeah. I like the Lafroig 10. Yeah. Uh, Lafroig, really, really yeah. I think Lagavulin is, is better. It's more balanced, but it's also it's more expensive. Yeah. It's like double the price, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah, you can go seventy bucks at Park Hills and get that right, that, uh, that a lagavulin, and it's so uh, okay. I like it. So I, uh, do, I do too. <laughs> I do want to ask you before before we hit the break because the very first thing you you, you guys do whenever mm-hmm. you, you do the online great books is you you read a book called how basically how to read how to read a book by Mortimer J Adler. That's right. Okay, and and that's because that we've learned like in school at least for me. All I did in in college was skim. I read right. bull. I read bullet points. I read the the chapter title, and then I tried to find the meat, and then I moved on. And that's, that's right. you know, that's kind of similar to our a conversation in the fact of like, hey, I'm Adam, I'm this, and I'm out. You know, like a brief description of who I am, and then I I leave. I don't enjoy actually conversing with you and the time spending with you. Right. You know, I'm just sitting there trying to gather information and get information Adam, out of you. I want you to savor me right yeah, now. Yeah, let's just savor. I don't want you to just get my bullet it's points. It's like, I'm not going to chug this bullet. I'm not going to ch- chug this bourbon. I'm going to sit here and get acquainted with it, sip on it, enjoy it. Yeah, we. So, I well, mean, is that kind of the same thing, though, that we've learned to just skim through sure. reading and not actually sit there and, di- you know, digest it? Yeah, you know, school. You're on a schedule. You've got you've got deadlines. You've got six subjects. Who, who knows what you've got? And uh, and the emphasis really is on production. You know, skimming and scanning, turning your stuff in for your deadline. And we found out pretty early that uh, that our that our readers weren't great readers, me included. And we wanted to fix that. And we selected how to read a book. And we start with fixing their reading before we move on to more difficult material. Because that's a good place to start. I agree. So and then you jump into. To Homer, correct? That's right. The Iliad. That's where it all starts, man. All right. So when we get back, we're going to continue this conversation. We're going to talk about John Sr. as well. Really excited about that. We'll be right back. 
So, Adam, you've never been to Rome. I know. I keep telling you, you have to drop what you're doing and go. Dude, it's on my bucket list. It's on the bucket list. I know, man. Look, you've got St. Peter's Basilica. You've got Assisi, which is just a day trip away. I mean, the whole faith is just right there. Around every single corner in Rome is another church that will just blow your mind. I know. So if you're like me, you want to go to Rome, but you don't know where to begin, check out our show notes. There's a banner that says Select International Tours. Click that banner. They know how to turn your bucket list into reality. They've been doing this for over 30 years, so they know what they're doing. Check it out. That's Select International Tours. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. This is David Niles here with Adam Minahan and Scott Hambrick. We're drinking a little bit of this Orphan Barrel deliciousness, Orphan Barrel rhetoric. If you see this and you have an extra $100, pick one up. You're a fool if you don't buy it. Yeah, that's an anniversary and a new baby bottle, you know? You open that and have a do drink. Do you have a you have a new baby bottle? No, but this was uh, like is that something you do? We have a tradition. That's what we do the yeah, three of us. Well, yeah, I mean you should have you should have that sort of thing, right? We have a bottle that we only drink when one of us has a baby, which yeah. actually is kind of a lot. But, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you should have that. You know, that's an that's an important event bottle, and you should have those. Yeah, yeah. I like I like those kind of traditions. Yes. Okay, so we need to find other things we can do the same thing. Same thing. <laughs> Different kind of right. This is this whiskey bottle's for babies. This one's for anniversaries. This right. is for <laughs> this one. Well, people do the cigar, you know. I got the, yeah. got the humidor here, but the the whiskey bottle's good. Port, tiny port. I love port. I do too. One. Some people don't like it, and I'm like, well, yeah. you're dumb. Yeah, you know, like it's delicious. There's a lot. There's what do you hate? Dessert. Right. <laughs> you know, we've got this friend that we go eat dinner with. My wife and I, another couple. And she's always says, "Oh, this is too rich. Oh, it's too rich." And I was like, "Oh yeah, just too. It's too delicious, isn't it?" Is That's it? what I think. It's like, shut up. I, I have <laughs> never had something where I said, "That's too rich." Right. I might say like I can't eat a whole lot of it, but I'm wishing I could. I can always eat a lot of it. I mean, so. like I'm I love it. You're That's talking a, to a guy who had like 23 cake balls in one sitting, one time. I mean, if you knew what I've eaten today, <laughs> it's hey, it's a lot. So Scott came over and he he set down this device that's going to be our, 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 our gear today. We just impromptu are making this our man gear for this episode. You said it's your light phone. Is that what it's oh, called? Yeah, this is my light phone. L-I-G-H-T phone. It's actually a light phone too. Here it is. It's about. It's just a little bigger than a credit card. Uh, it has an e-ink display like your, like your Amazon Kindle. Here, I'll hit the button here so people can see it. It's got an e-ink display like, like a Kindle. So if it's dark, it it's got a backlight, uh-huh. um, and all it does is take and and make calls and uh, text. That's it. What happens if somebody sends you mean, you it's like a, a, a it's picture? Like a phone. Do you get it? Uh, if somebody sends me a picture, I get a little icon that looks like a picture, but okay. I cannot see it. Okay. Yeah, I can't see those. But uh, but it'll do group text, which is important. I, mm-hmm. I really wanted to be able to send one to my wife and kids all at once, and and it will do that. It manages those things well, and uh, you know it's just a minimalist device. It's got a great battery life. Um, That's incredible. It doesn't have a camera, so um, they can only spy on me auditorily. Uh huh. 
Um, I don't know that they are, but uh, they are. They I mean, probably they are. They, they definitely to- are. They totally are. Yeah, they probably are. Yeah, so did you too. go from a smartphone to this? Yeah, I had an iPhone, whatever the heck. I can't right. remember what so number. Right, so the transition, <laughs> how was that? It was a delight. I yeah? Did, yeah. I, I still have the, the iPhone. I took the SIM card out of it, plopped it in this thing, and I still have the iPhone uh, to do certain things. You know, at Online Great Books, we have a you know a Instagram account. And, you know, So I'll use it for those kinds of things. Uh, but I have to I actually like sit down at my desk and use it for a dedicated reason, for a dedicated amount of time, and then I put it in the drawer. And the rest of the time, I'm uh, I'm nice. all I'm all light phone all the time. Yeah, it's you great. could just turn it <clears throat> turn it off. Yeah, and leave it somewhere. Yeah, and it's, so it's it's called light phone. Yeah, L I G H T. So yeah, and this Google is actually that. this is actually their second one. This is the light phone two. The first one was even more minimal, minimalist. Um, but I highly highly recommend it. You know, if you're if you're tired of the phone, if you've got a little a little uh, addiction to your phone and the things monopolizing a little more of your time, if than you, you have want, one. And you think you're not addicted to it? Like I, I realize. I mean, I see the the tendencies I have with my sure. phone, and I actively, I'm, I'm conscious about trying to reject those. You know, those reflex to reach for oh, yeah. it. It's like, oh well, let me just Google this, and then I'll think, I don't need to Google that. I don't actually even need to know. You know, uh, how long? What's the gestation period for gorillas? It's like, who cares? <laughs> Only gorillas care. Who cares? I don't need to know that. Right. Like. I'm going to I'm going to interrupt my life right now so that I can look this up and forget it in 5 minutes, you know, like it fragments my concentration. Like for instance, when I pray, I'm I'm very often just distracted, you know, my brain and when I take periods, you know, away from it, it's better. Yep. You know, and just I I realize I'm fragmenting my whole life because of that stupid phone. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. I think it's blinking. Right. <laughs> You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm on right. several podcasts on your show today. Yeah. And I really, you know, I've really enjoyed podcasts, and maybe we shouldn't say this to podcast audiences, but, you know, those things have even become a distraction. And I was worried when I got the light phone, I was worried about not having my podcast player. Um, but I still listen to the ones that are most important to me, mm-hmm. but I actually sit down when it's time to listen and listen. And you're intentional about it. It's not yeah. like background mm-hmm. noise. Yeah. Uh, because you know it's really easy to just put a podcast on and you're working and you've got you know somebody making noises in your ear and you, and you don't do either one very well you don't listen very well and you don't work very right, well right right you know? so I still listen to podcasts but um, but uh, not as much as I was and, and that's actually pleased me more okay sweet so light phone just Google it Google light I'm phone sure you can Google I think it. it's lightphone.com I believe okay yeah it's great um, I want to get back to I want to get back to John Senior. Yeah, I don't know. Should we start off with John Senior and then go into? Let's just say, for online... people who don't know, okay. let's just give a brief go rundown. Ahead. On okay, so John Senior was a professor at the University of Kansas. Um, he started this uh, humanities program there that uh, became very very popular. Um, it's it he's I think more popular maybe in Catholic circles um, because he many of his students all became started converting to Catholicism. In fact, he had. There's several bishops uh, today here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. who were graduates of of his, who studied, who actually converted uh, under in his program. He, they weren't trying. He and the other professors weren't weren't trying to convert anybody. All they were doing was going through the great books, essentially. Yeah, this thing is called uh, what is it? Integrated humanities mm-hmm. studies. I think is what they called it. And humanities are just you know a study of those things that make us human. You know, and that's what that's what they designed the program to be about. 
And lo and behold, they had an enormous number of people that were converting. Mm-hmm. And there were charges uh, leveled at them of uh, proselytizing among their, the, among their students. And the University of Kansas ended up um, investigating those charges, and they found that that wasn't true. Right. But being a university and being awful, they canceled the program anyway. Right. Um, but I think that that's actually the most interesting thing about this is that these these three men that started that program, they were not overtly trying to make anyone convert. One of the guys was an Anglican. Um, John Sr. Was, uh, was Catholic. And I can't remember what the third one. I don't think he was Catholic either. Um, can't but, but by taking this course of study that they laid out and doing it the way they did it naturally led to people's conversion, mm-hmm. a conversion experience. And uh, I, I think that's the proof of the thing. They didn't even try Right. Yeah, and that's, that's what it is very anyway. interesting. It's just encounter with the true, the good, and the beautiful. That's exactly right. Yeah. So John Senior, I get super excited about this guy. Yeah. Uh, he he said that he said that modern society was making people lose a grip on being, like understanding that things are. You know, Aristotle talks about a equals a, that the the identity uh, law of identity that a is a a thing is a thing it is what it is. And people were losing a grip on that. And so he was very, very interested in um, setting out, uh, setting forth a curriculum and a way of life that reinforced that for these students because you can't really do anything rational un- until you understand that A equals A, well, Aristotle's law of identity. And, uh, you know, it used to be before television, which isn't real, before radio, which isn't real, before podcasts, which really aren't real either. Um, <laughs> People had a lot better grip on that. You know, if you're a little kid and you mm-hmm. get kicked by a horse, and you fall out of a tree and you cut yourself with a pocket knife, like you have a deeper understanding of reality than a kid that plays Call of Duty all the time. Right. And and he he had these kids in the in the IHS uh, go out and stargaze. He taught them to waltz. You know, how in the world are you going to be married and do that project if you can't just dance together? Right. Uh, and and he tried and he did. Uh, and he had them play the piano and sing simple songs and a number of other things that were just designed to help bring them back to that which is. And then they would go from there and go on. And and so if you bring somebody to that which is, the true, mm-hmm. then they can start to recognize the good, and then they read Aquinas, and it's domino. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you read they, book one of, a, and, Aquin, of Aquinas and you don't come out at least a deist, it, that, you, you're, you're, you're in trouble. You missed it. Yeah. You're in real bad trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then what it does is it, it develops traditions. Because once you come back to the real, once you come back to and you have your 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 feet grounded in in the in reality, you can right. pass that on to others. And that's why like folk songs are so you know awesome. It's because everybody can sing them together and they're telling a story. And there's a, a sense of community around people. And it's not something that's just, it's not an inward thing, but it's a its a community, it's an outward. Well, the folk song is about the people. Right. It's not like, uh, here's, you, here's you a hip reference. It's not Tom Jones' most latest hip, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, it's a song for you. It's your song. Right. When you sing whatever, uh, whatever folk song that you sing, that, that becomes your song. Mm-hmm. And, and that was really important to him. He talks about uh, that we need to st- study poetry. But for him, poetry is uh it isn't just like rhyming verse 
it's it's all the beautiful things around us and that you have to get kind of rooted in the music of life and then once you you know you get a grip on reality then you study that poetry then you're set up to take in take in deeper deeper truths that's awesome okay so yeah. we're, we're here with scott hambrick uh we'll, we'll talk a little bit about his his online course uh after the break and uh, tell you a little bit of a special deal that we're going to do for all the Catholic Man Show listeners. So hang in there. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Sitting here with Scott Hambrick, Juan on the buttons this evening. Thank you, Juan. Uh, Scott hosts OnlineGreatBooks.com. If you go to OnlineGreatBooks.com slash Catholic Man, you can get 25% off the first three months. That's right. 25%, 25% is a lot. Is a lot. Yeah. For the first three months, not just one month, but three months. But three. And you just opened, reopened enrollment. Enrollment. You only do that once every about eight weeks. Is that correct? That's right. So uh, if you're not, if you're listening to this and it's and it's past uh, February twentieth, still go on there. You can go onlinegreatbooks.com/slash/catholicman. Uh, you'll get on the VIP waiting list, and he's basically going to Scott's going to basically send you a bunch of things to get started. That's right. Isn't that right? That's right. Yeah, we've got. We send you. We send you. Uh, the first two years of our reading list we sent you uh, stuff on how how to make notes when you're reading difficult material a summary of that how to read a book book mm. bunch of white papers to try to make it worth your while to uh, to get on the waiting list and then you get first shot at it when we open up enrollment again and, um, and then we then we read these great books you know it's a a lot of that same stuff John Senior would have his uh, have his students at KU read and um, you know John Senior. We read the restoration of Christian culture. Adam and I did recently. Hit John Senior's book, and John Senior doesn't really like our program. Okay, so why is that? I was I'm just going to ask you this question. Yeah. You know, like yeah, he he said he has a list that he calls his thousand great books to read. The hundred he has yeah, a thousand hundred, good books to good read. Books. The, the, the hundred great books, right. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he says if you aren't if uh, if you haven't read these thousand books, then you aren't ready for the one hundred great books. And, and I don't think he's wrong about that. In his thousand great books, you're going to read King Arthur stories, nursery rhymes, and uh, kind of the sort of mother goose sort of fairy tales. And, and and he believes that those things those things tell us about being. They tell us about a equals a. They tell us about reality, and they uh-huh. and they instill that sort of that poetic life in us, and they make us more receptive and ready for when you read Homer's Iliad or you read Plato. He says. You know, if you just go into that stuff cold and you haven't done the groundwork, uh, a lot of it will be lost on you. And, and, he, and he's right about that. Um, most of our clients are in their mid-30s, probably. And, and I think that people that are in their mid-30s still have the nursery rhymes. You know, they had a lot of, of that, that basic Western culture, frankly. And they're able to, they're able to get in there and, and get, get the Iliad, you know. Uh, but... I really, you know, I don't, I, I don't know what a 14 year old's getting now, you know, 
Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, I think, I think that that thousand great, I think that that thousand great stories thing that, that he advocates for is going to become more and more and more important mm-hmm. as pe- to get people acculturated to what, you know, what makes the West the West. Um, and you know, in his thousand books, not really books. I mean, a lot of nursery rhymes, a lot of fairy tales, a lot of short stuff, you know, yeah. it's not, mm-hmm. it's not 60 years worth of reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the stuff, you know, everybody needs to know about, uh, uh, little Jack Horner, you know, and, and all those. Who sat all in the stuff. corner. That's right. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, Treasure Island, you know. Some, yeah. Some Jack London. You know. Yeah. Yeah. When I read Treasure Island, I thought, man, if there's a 14-year-old boy in the world not reading this book, then the, the, oh, they're missing out. Because uh, it, even as an adult, it just... You know, it was so satisfying that uh, the the little boy who's you know still in my imagination, just like yeah, Treasure Island, and it, it's got everything you want. It's got murder, <laughs> it's got treasure hunting. You know, it, all of these great things. You know, if you just what does a boy want? So yeah, it teaches about greed. Mm-hmm. It teaches us about what real danger is. Yeah, it how teaches, to be brave. Teaches about cause and effect. Teaches about virtue and anti-virtue. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. It's it's great. Yeah. So, you know, if you read Treasure Island when you're 12, 13, 14, and then you go encounter Achilles and the Iliad, you're way more uh, mm-hmm. uh, able to take in all the all the, that is good about that book. So it's, he doesn't like your program because you're starting off yeah, with I mean, some of the the heavy hitters. Yeah. To to be fair, he's he was dead before we got started. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he says he says that you know that you need to that that. People need to read Plato, but they need to be ready. They need to be ready, and he because says their they're, appetites formed. Yeah, yeah. In, in the groundwork laid, they need to know that A is A. They need to know. They need to know about reality. They need to know about all the things that makes the West the West. They need to know. Uh, they need to know about our art, and they need to have an appreciation for it, and they need to have it like in their blood. Mm-hmm. And then, then they're ready. Then they're ready for those things that frankly ended up creating all of that environment for us. Mm-hmm. And then, if they, if you've done the groundwork. Then you're then you're ready and off you go. Yeah. So what I like about what what you get what your uh, program is is that it has that Socratic dialogue once a month. It has the the community aspect to it because I could sit here and I could read all these books myself. The list is not like something that you know I couldn't get online anywhere. Oh, the books are at the used bookstore for a buck or right. right. But I mean, I, I've read uh, The Republic by Plato, and I still don't know what justice is um i still like i think i know less (laughs) about it now than what i did before i read it right um and but when i sit here and you need to read joseph peeper if you want to (laughs) yeah well i mean i I, i've read yeah but i mean i i use that example because it it makes me sit down with dave and juan and, and you know sit down by the fire have a whiskey and like okay what do you guys really think about justice or what do you think right. about this topic and we have an actual conversation and not just something that uh let's just sit down and watch a, it's a, not a, a conversation game. i usually say all right get out your notepad and your pen it's a lecture and, yeah no <laughs> give, them, give them the answer but that's right. what but, but that that that's the difference in in you've incorporated community into your program that it's i'm sure super valuable to to all your all your people i i think that people join us for the accountability and then they end up staying because of the seminar you know, we, we say that the close mm. reading of the books are actually is actually done in the seminar. Um, well, it seems to be true. 
it incorporates more of your senses and incorporates more of your being into the reading and the experience of the book. And it seems to, it, it, it helps the reading comprehension and it helps people's understanding. You know, so the Republic, if you haven't read the Republic, dear listener, you need to go read it. Um, this starts off with the question, what is justice? And you go through the whole darn thing. And at the end of the, at the end of it, you realize you really don't know what it is. And I think it's, that's probably the central lesson, right? I mean, that's probably why that book's most important. And he sets forth this sort of utopia. It's the first like attempt at designing a utopian environment or whatever. But um, like, how nice would it be if like social justice warriors realized that they couldn't actually tell you what they thought justice was? Well, that's the problem <laughs> is that they don't know. If you ask them what it, you know, social justice warriors, what do you? What are you wor- worrying about? Yeah, they got a they're, they're like cocked back, warrioring. and they got a brick, yeah. and they're getting ready to throw it. And you're like, "Hey, what is social justice?" Right, because it's redundant. They don't. Yeah, yeah. First a, of all, saying social justice as if there's like are there justice, categories of justice. Right. It's like justice is justice. Yeah. It, it should it, be it universal. Right? Every, it should <laughs> exactly. be exactly. Yeah, justice is something that's already social. You know, there is it a has to, has societal to, component of justice. You but know, they mean but. So but they mean something justice. different, right? That's really what they mean. But but I, I think that you know if you ask a lot of those people, you know what what they thought justice was, and then you did the Socratic thing and you drilled down on that, and you ask them questions about their answers, and then ask them questions about their answers, they can find out that that it was it was bottomless. There was no bottom. Mm-hmm. There was mm-hmm. no foundation. And that they are the thing that they are trying to defeat as they have the brick in their hand. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, so. You know these books are civilizational. You know if you read these things, you can you can build a civilization with these books. You know, and, and if you don't know have these ideas, um, it's discivilizational. I hundred percent believe it. Um, it's not popular to say that. Um, uh, universities are dropping these sorts of programs from their curriculum all the time. Um, STEM only, st- STEM only, yeah. or just wackadoo. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, you know, I don't even know what they call it, social sciences, social projects, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Les- uh, lesbian dance. Whatever that yeah. is, you know. How, how do they do that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, how do they get that approved? Do they I don't dance know. differently? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's very angry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it goes nowhere. Shorter haircuts. Yeah. 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 It's very angry. Uh, but, but if you have these ideas in your mind, you know, you can, uh, it, it is a foundation on which you can build, build something objective and true and real. And yeah. uh, that's why a lot of people don't like it. But that's why a lot of us are drawn to it, though. Do you think that the John Senior's notion of, you know, mm-hmm. you have to read these thousand books before you read these hundred, when really you want the hundred are the ones you really want to read, you know, like you aspire to? Do you think that's overwhelming or do you think it that might turn people off and say, like, fine, I'll just keep playing PlayStation then? Well, that's interesting. I, I think that, man, listen. Uh, Aquinas is super important, right? How many people actually are equipped to read it and get it, right? It's really tough. It's yeah. it's 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 tough hoeing, you know. I mean, you could you could read it twenty times and not not understand. Yeah, you know, he calls a lot of it. He Most calls of it. Um, he calls uh, Averroes the teacher, I believe, is who he calls in you know, Aquinas. Yeah, and 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 he said. Averroes said that he had to read Aristotle's Metaphysics 51 times before he understood it. Yeah, the professor. The yeah. Or, uh, philosopher. Yeah. The philosopher. No, the, that's no, Aquinas. No, that's, that's, that's Aristotle. Aristotle. Philosopher. Ar- Ar- yeah. But the teacher 
said he had to read Aristotle 51 times before he got it. Oh, okay. You know, I, so I think that um, we at, at Online Great Books, we say, and I, I 100% believe this, that these books will meet you where you are. You know, if you're if you're a 14 year old kid and you read the Iliad, it's like the best action adventure war story you ever read. Yeah. But if you know, if you're an 85 year old guy, it's about mortality, it's about your 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 posterity, uh, and you know that book will meet you where you are, and I think they all will. But some people might be better served by reading some of Treasure Island than the Iliad. I hate to say that, but it's true. And uh, they're both worthwhile pursuits. Well, I think okay. that also goes to show, like, I think we all can relate. Like, there's times where we've underlined things in the Bible, and then we've come back and been like, why did I underline this? I'm not right. sure what that even, yeah. it, it always hits you where you are. So, anyway, we're with Scott Hambrick. We'll be right back. Okay. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan, <laughs> Scott Hambrick. All right, Scott. Yes. Whose mustache can bench press more, yours or Brett's? You know, my best bench is 305. No, 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 the mustache. Oh, the mustache, mustache itself? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Mine's grayer than his. Uh, it's, so it it has, is, it's nice, though. It, thank you. Thank you. So it probably has that, maybe it has that it's, old it's man strength. full. So. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Uh, I just, I, I just, I just didn't know if like, is that part of the great books? Is that the mustache? <laughs> it's becoming that. Way. It's a fruit, so, a fruit of the book. I have never gone more than about three days without shaving until December, and my wife said, "You know, I, th- I think I would like to see you in a mustache." So that's easy enough. Yeah, I can God, do that. God, like there are husbands out there just like yearning for their wives to to say that to them. I think, like, yeah. I'd like to see you in a mustache. You got it. <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. How easy is that? Right. <laughs> you know. And, uh, Juan has a nice must. I mean, but yeah. he's you know South American. Yeah. It's not fair, right? That's that not true. It's got that swarthy mustache. I have to edit handsome. that out or something. <laughs> that is not true. Okay, so Scott Hamburg is part of the onlinegreatbooks.com. You can go to onlinegreatbooks.com slash Catholic Man and yeah. get 25% off the first three months. You could do that if you're a Catholic chick, even. Even if you're, mm, well, there's, you know, you just got to type in Catholic Man. That's, that's right. You just got to use those letters on your keyboard. That's right. Can they send you a letter? Catholic man, they can to get a discount. Like, what if they mailed you yeah, something? Yeah, PO Box seven zero zero two four zero, Tulsa, Oklahoma, seven four. What is it? Oh one nine. Just send your information yeah. with mm-hmm. the hashtag Catholic man, yeah. and you'll get. He'll make it happen. Twenty five point five percent off. See, you know, McKay at Art of Mailing This. If you want to send listener mail to the podcast or whatever, you have to send it to his PO Box. There is no email for that. Yeah, that's that's how we that's got how him, we on him on the show. Yeah, I wrote him a letter asking him to way. be on the show. So, okay, so we're, we're talking about a little bit of John Sr., a little bit of the great books. And I asked you in between segments just to recap. Make sure to go watch our, our Facebook, YouTube video uh, because we've been talking about it. We had some good conversation between segments here. But in between, it all leads back to all the great books seem to lead back to Homer because, or Socrates or Plato because it seems like, you know, like we're talking about it with Aquinas. He, he references Augustine and he re- references Boethius. So then you have to go back and and listen to, you know, read their stuff and and get familiar with that. And then they reference, you know, Aristotle and Plato. And so you have to figure that out and go back and read that. And why is that important? Well, why? I mean, well, like Plato, 
Plato asks all through Socrates in his dialogues, asks all the important questions. What is truth? What is virtue? What is the good life? And he asks all the important questions. Mm-hmm. And he answers them really well. I don't know that he's right, but he makes he, he, he makes a really good case for how to answer questions, right? And how to ask good questions. So he kind of he kind of sets up Western inquis- inquisitiveness. You know, he kind of shows us how to care about things and how to ask good questions and how to answer them in a in a in a good faith way. And then everybody's just been reacting to that guy ever since. You know, uh, 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 Aristotle says, "Well, what is the good life?" And he writes the Nicomachean Ethics. You know, mm-hmm. um, then Aquinas, you know, what is the good life? And beatific vision. You know, and you see, you see these guys; they all build on each other and. Um, when you start back at the very beginning, uh, you get to see kind of the genealogy of thought. And Plato, through Socrates, or maybe it's just Socrates, maybe he just, we don't even really know, maybe he's documenting what Socrates really thought. But you get to see a sort of first blush, good faith attempt at answering, you know, what is the good life? And that seeing that first attempt at answering that question really jives with people that are really coming on that for themselves the first time. You know, if you don't, you don't, you don't want to go to Marx first when he tries to figure out, we don't want a good life is and how to live a good life. Right. You know, you need to, you need to build up the if foundation. First reaction is Marx on anything. Like <laughs> right. You, I, you have some deep seated issues that you might. You know, but Mark, Marx is a keen observer though. You know, he's there in the industrial revolution and he's like work, work is hurting people. Like, you know, they go to work, but it's not, their work isn't directly related to their lives, and it's disenfranchising. You know, he, he, he has some, some of the same complaints that John Sr. does. Like, John Sr. would like if everybody's work directly led to them creating food for their family. Mm-hmm. Like, he says that's the best possible way to live. He thinks 80% of our economy should be agrarian. Um, Marx kind of thought the same thing, too. And then he just loses his mind. But yeah, <laughs> but 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 these guys all answer. You know, they we start at Plato because he asks these big questions and shows us how to do a good job of answering them. He's wrong about I don't know everything, but but he does a really <laughs> but he's a really good faith you know answerer of those questions. And then and then before that's Homer, and Homer shows us how to be poetic. Homer shows us how to speak beautifully and wonderfully about things that are real. To tell a story. He tells mm-hmm. he shows us important things about how humans behave and how they interact with each other, and so you know he's sort of our introduction to all those uh, aesthetics, you know, all that stuff that's beautiful, and then uh, Plato's our introduction to rationality, and then we build on that, and we just get a little bit better at it as we go. Maybe I don't know that. Well, because uh, that, that that would be my next question is like I listen. I read the, uh, read Plato. I read or the Republic, and I don't know anything about justice. Uh, I like as a guy who's listening right now. He's like, listen, I, I was not formed in this. I yeah. did not read very much. It's it's intimidating to even yeah. start. What are your thoughts? Well, it is, uh, and that's why we have our people start with how to read a book. We need to learn to slow down. We need to learn to be patient and kind to ourselves when we read. You know, you you read Aristotle, you, you, super smart guy is going to get like two percent. Yeah, it's all you know, about categories. You read the metaphysics. You it's read all the about categories. categories. You're gonna you're gonna understand one or two percent of that entire book. That's okay. There's no grade. Mrs. Jenkins isn't going to grade your thesis paper yeah. about it and kick your butt. Your mom and dad aren't going to ground you. You know, 
and, and Adler teaches us how to go slow and be patient with ourselves and teaches us how to struggle. And he lets you know that it's okay and shows you how to struggle. And, and then you start at the beginning and that's where we start. We start with Homer. Someone should start a podcast about these books, hmm. you know, and like yeah. help people. Yeah. We, uh, that's a good idea. Like, yeah, I wish someone would do that. Yeah. Well, I do a podcast. It comes out on Thursdays with my <laughs> partner, Carl Shute. It's the Online Great Books podcast. And we uh, we actually don't talk about any of the books in our program uh-huh. because we don't want to poison the well. Sure. We want people to come to those books clean and get from the book what they need to get from it. You know, we don't want to tell them what we think. Um well, because we poison the well. We don't want to flavor their ideas. Right. Yeah, they don't, you don't want to have someone think, I'm supposed to get this. Right. Okay, so what do you think about forwards of books and things like that? We don't read them. You don't? Well, I encourage people to not read introductions, prefaces. Read the translation notes. You know, see what the translator says about how he did it and whatever. But don't read anything else. Read the book the first time on your own. You're sufficient. You're good enough to get what you need the first time. And then if you want, after you've read it, after you've read The Republic, if you want to go read what that wing nut from Oxford or whatever wrote in the preface or the introduction, go ahead. But bring yourself to it and get what you need from it the first time. Um, you know, commentaries, introductions, secondary sources, no. Not until you've at least been through it at least once. Now, if you've got questions of fact, where was Troy? Was Aristotle born before or after Christ? You know, questions of fact, go look that up, you know, orient yourself in space and time and all that. But, you know, Professor so-and-so's opinion about what, no, who cares? Especially if it's a modern professor, just <laughs> even worse. <laughs> right. So let me, uh, let me, so here's something I'm doing. Every book I get, I said, forget paperback books. Mm. If it's a good book, I'm only buying the leather-bound decorative version if I can find it because I wanted to create a tradition of literature in my home. Yep. And so um, I'm buying these books. I'm reading them to my children. And then someday when I die, they will inherit them all. And if nothing else, out of a sense of nostalgia, they'll look at their kids and say, my dad read this book to me, this exact one when I was your age. I'm going to read it to you. So um, I, I sometimes struggle to find a good publisher for some of these books. Do you have a recommendation about when you're buying them? Are there a couple that you that you like? Yeah, th- these publishers tend to specialize in like certain kind of genres or eras. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I really like University of Chicago for the early Greek stuff. Okay, um, but they're not leather and they're not beautiful. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're really made for the college bookstore, but they've got great translations. Like if you want to read the Greek tragedies, University of Chicago is great. Uh, I love Hackett Press. I think you have the Hackett Aristotle mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hackett has got the, the complete works. Hackett's the complete works of Plato. Fantastic. I think it's the best one out there. Um, from a translation standpoint? From a translation yeah. standpoint. It's a hardback. It's well-bound. It's all sewn up. Uh, it's, a, it's a good book. I mean, it's like the construction of the book is, is good as well. Um, and, um, you know, we buy we buy some some stuff from Penguin, uh, we, and we buy a lot from Oxford University Press. Uh, but, but none of these people are doing fine bindings. And uh, I'm working on fixing that. Good. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm really concerned about, you know, it's a, I, we spoke a little bit about the Lindy effect before. I'm really concerned about, mm-hmm. about uh, transmitting this tradition and this culture into the future. And I think one of the best ways to do that is if you, if you have a book that's important to you um, and you make sure that that book is a beautiful book, that it's clearly an object of art 
qua art. I mean, it's just as itself is a beautiful thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. leather, it's gilt, it has the little hinges and the little strap, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looks like a magic spell book. Uh, even if we lose literacy, some ridiculous pagan is likely likely to, to keep preserve that, that and preserve book. it. Yeah, because, right. ooh, look at this. Yeah, so I think they need to be, you know, archival quality materials. They need to be beautiful. They need to be well-made. Because uh, I don't think anybody's made a Plato that'll last a thousand years since the 1500s. And that ain't okay. I'm worried about that. Yeah. Okay, so Scott, do you have time after the show for a couple more questions? Sure. Okay, so make sure you There's check out our. Bourbon left. Yeah. Good, good, good. good. Yeah. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, you can, you can continue our conversation. Uh, we are, on our show notes. We have onlinegreatbooks.com/slash Catholic Man for twenty five percent off the first three months, guys. First three months. Check out our show notes. We'll have it all listed there. Scott, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thanks. Good talking. We're on well, the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass and cheers to Jesus. Come on, Juan. Get over here. There it is. <laughs>